although it might look impossible, never stop dreaming and keep on chasing the things you love doing because everybody has adversities in their lives and one's a bit worse than the other. But if, if you stop dreaming and you stop believing in your dreams, then what the heck are you doing? Welcome to Bouncing Forward. I'm Amy Purdy. I believe that our challenges give us the opportunity to live an even greater life with more meaning and purpose. Through my own experience of losing my legs at 19 years old and going on to become a professional athlete, New York Times bestselling author, and world-renowned motivational speaker, I've learned that overcoming our obstacles has nothing to do with bouncing back. It has everything to do with bouncing forward. That's why on this podcast, I'm sharing stories of resilience, setbacks, and remarkable comebacks. Your journey to bouncing forward starts here. Welcome back to another episode of Bouncing Forward. Today, my guest is Vivian Mintel. And I have to be honest that this was really emotional and really challenging for me to prepare today. And I'll share a little bit more of why here in a minute. But first, let me share that Vivian is one of the biggest inspirations in my life. Not only has she impacted millions of lives around the world, but she's deeply impacted my own. Vivian is a nine-time cancer survivor. She's a badass snowboarder. In fact, one of the best in the world. And the reason I wanted her on this podcast is because the way that she has chosen to live her life is the way we all should be living our own lives, fully, deeply, and completely. In fact, she was the very first person I interviewed for Bouncing Forward. We recorded this episode in December, and at that time, she was battling cancer again. And to be honest, she is the reason why I launched this podcast in the first place. She motivated me to start Bouncing Forward because I wanted the opportunity and the platform to capture her voice and her spirit before it was too late. And thank God we did. Because just days ago, I got a message from her amazing husband, Edwin, sharing that after a 21-year battle, Vivian's cancer has spread, and she's been given only weeks left to live. And as you can imagine, this is really hard for me to talk about right now. And I almost ruined the keys on my computer, crying, trying to properly introduce her and this episode. And to be honest, it feels that no matter what I say, it doesn't even come close to giving the justice to the life that she has lived and the impact that she has made. Vivian Mintel has lived the most fullest and amazing life that many people could only dream about living. She's traveled all over the world as a professional snowboarder and motivational speaker. She's married to the most amazing man, Edwin Spee. She has an 18-year-old son, Julian, and Edwin's two daughters, who all have been raised watching her conquer mountains, literally and figuratively. Vivian has won in life nearly everything that you can win, but most importantly, she has won at life. And how could anyone ask for anything more? Vivian is one of the best snowboarders that there ever was. She was one of the top snowboarders in the world when in 2002, she was on her way to the Salt Lake City Olympic Games to compete for the Netherlands when she broke her leg and found out that she had a tumor in her bone. Doctors amputated her leg below the knee. 
That year, she got right back up on her snowboard with her prosthetic leg and then went on to become the number one undefeated Paralympic snowboarder in the world and three-time Paralympic gold medalist. I actually heard a rumor that she has 128 gold medals in her house, (laughs) and I don't think that's an exaggeration. In fact, I have traveled the world with her and competed alongside her for my entire snowboard career, and she has won gold every single time. She truly is unbeatable. After the 2018 Olympic and Paralympic Games in South Korea, where she won double gold, a tumor was found in her lower spine, and when they operated, nerves were accidentally compressed, and she was paralyzed from the waist down. It just so happens that Vivian and I had lunch in LA just a week before this happened, And the exact week that she went into the hospital is, too, the week that I entered the hospital with the major injury to the artery in my left leg. We have a photo from that lunch, both of us healthy and strong. And just a week later, we were both in the hospital talking to each other on FaceTime from across the world, fighting to walk again. However, with the same fighting spirit that she's always had, being in a wheelchair didn't stop her. And why would it? In fact, just months after, she was competing on Dancing with the Stars as the world's first contestant in a wheelchair. I have never known anyone to live life as fully or as deeply as Bibian. Not only is she leaving a major impact in the lives of everybody who knows her, but between her foundation for athletes with disabilities and all the landmarks that are named after her, she is leaving a legacy that many of us could only dream of leaving behind. Today, on this episode, we talk about the power of positive thinking, why it's important to process negative emotions, and how to sustain a positive mindset long-term. And just a quick reminder, if you like this episode, please rate and comment and share on your Instagram stories. And if you tag me, I will send you a personal voicemail to thank you for your support. So without further ado, here is the conversation with my beautiful friend and the biggest inspiration of my life, Vivian Mintel. Vivian, I am so excited to have you here because, first of all, you are the biggest inspiration of my life. You know, people will reach out to me and and, and say, Amy, who inspires you? And I'm like, Bibian, Bibian Mentel. This is who inspires me because oh, you so are the example of resiliency <laughs> and you are the example of bouncing forward and taking your situation and not just surviving, but absolutely thriving. So yeah. I shared all about you. I shared all your amazing accomplishments, which I want to talk about today. But because this is about setbacks as well as resiliency and comebacks, I shared that you're a nine-time cancer survivor, and I'm not sure if that's how you word it, but can you take us on that journey a bit? And also, you've got a prosthetic leg, which I didn't share. So can you share just a bit of what that journey has been like for you? Yes, of course. Well, I used to be a professional athlete, and then in the year 2001, in that season, they found out I had a, a tumor in my right lower leg. And it turned out to be cancer, a bone cancer, a really rare one. And the doctor told me that, well, first of all, they, they wanted to fix my leg, obviously. They just wanted to take out the cancer and then get me back on track. But then after a couple of months, um, it turned out that the cancer had come back. And they gave me about two days to think things through. 
And the doctors came back to me after two days and they told me like, well, these are the options. Either you can choose for amputation or we can go on with the treatment we are giving you right now with the possibility that the cancer had spread throughout the body and that you're probably have to amputate anyway after a couple of weeks or months. And in the worst case, you're going to die of cancer. And obviously, I didn't think I had a chance. And I thought I, I needed to choose for amputating my right lower leg, which I did. But before I said to the doctors that it was okay to amputate, I asked them like, well, can you send somebody to me that can tell me a little bit more about amputations? So approximately three hours later, this curly professor came in with his glasses on and he was carrying about four or five prosthetic legs underneath his arms. And he just threw them up in my bed. And I'm like, oh my God, what's this? And he's like, oh, here you go. Here's your legs. Yeah, yeah. And this is what it what it's going to be. Then I just started asking him for two hours in a row. I started asking him questions about what life is, was going to be with a prosthetic leg. And then basically he told me that everything was still possible. And um, that I just needed to know that like, if I wanted to, to run, for example, then I needed a foot that could run. If I wanted to snowboard, I needed a foot that could snowboard. And the only thing I needed is like basically all, the, all these different kind of types of feet that I needed for the different sports I wanted to play. And then I was like, okay, well, if that's the case, I just need a lot of feet. And uh, <laughs> that's what I said too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's basically how it went. So only two days later, I was amputated. And the rest was history. I, like, after that, I, I, I crawled back up. And, and about three months after the amputation, I got my first prosthetic leg. And about a month later, I was invited by my friends um, who I used to train with for the Olympics at that point. And um, they were heading up to Switzerland, to Sasfe. Uh, to train and this was going to be the first season that I wasn't going to be there so they called me and, and said like well baby we've got the spare room and if you want to come on over we want to invite you and and please come on over and just spend a couple of days in the mountains because you know we know you love it and that's basically what I did so about exactly four months after my amputation I went back to the mountains of Sasfe I went over to just to see my friend snowboard right and the first day I, I got some new clothes from my sponsor company and, and a new snowboard and, and everything. But I left my snowboard at home and I was like, well, I'm not going to use that anyway. I'm just going to take all my clothes just to make sure that I'm warm up there. So I went up fully geared in my new fancy outfit or new outfit. <laughs> and I got to the, the top section of the border cross and the lower section of the half pipe and they came together. And I was just chatting up with all my friends and, and I saw all my friends I, that, that I had to miss that season. And I was just explaining them why I wasn't on the circuit anymore and why I wasn't competing anymore and told them I had a prosthetic leg. And then during the break, when everybody had a lunch break, basically, one of my friends came up and he gave me a snowboard and said, like, don't you want to try? And I'm like, um, of course I want to try, but I can't. I'm, I'm not allowed to. He's like, why not? Just try. And I just put on that snowboard and I stood on it first in balance. And then I was like, I can do this. 
So <laughs> that's when, when I made my first turn again. It didn't feel perfect, obviously. And then it hurt it like hell. But right. it was a turn. You're so humble to me because first of all, just going back to, you know, you said you used to be a professional athlete. I mean, you were a professional athlete. You were prepped and ready to go to the Salt Lake Olympics when you found out you had cancer, right? I hadn't qualified myself yet, but um, I was pre-qualified by my federation. So like if they were going to send someone, I was first on the list basically. And so when you first found out that you were going to have to lose your leg, I mean, was it a blow to you? Did you go through any grief with that? Or did you just kind of, okay, lose my leg and just keep moving forward? Well, of course there was grief as well. The doctors came back to me after two days and they told me like, well, these are the options. Either you can choose for amputation or we can go on with the treatment we uh, are giving you right now with the possibility that the cancer had spread throughout the body. And basically in my head, it was clear to me from the start. Like if I want to live, I need to choose for amputation. But it took me two days to just make it clear to my head that that was what I really was going to do. Yeah. I mean, suddenly that's a decision you'd probably never thought you'd have to make. No, 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 <laughs> I no. Mean, no. Same with me. I mean, it's almost not a decision, right? It, it, for right. me, when when they said we have to take your legs, it's like, okay, it's either your life that you lose or it's your legs that you lose. Yeah. So yeah. in a way, there's not really even a decision there. It's like, okay, I want to live. And yeah. Same here. that is what you have done. You seriously have lived the most amazing life and you've lived life so amazing, like just the way that you've approached it. So I want to quickly go back to, and just mention just how important it is. Like you said, your prosthetist came in or with legs in his arms and same exact thing. So here's the thing, Vivian and I have completely parallel lives. It's really crazy. She's like the European version of me and I'm the American version of her (laughs) in pretty much every way. And even going back to that, because I remember my prosthetist too, being in the hospital and him walking in with these legs in his arms. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, like those are my legs. They look like they're out of Home Depot plumbing department. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. They were bulky and heavy and they didn't feel like real legs. It was funny. I was like, yeah, like where are the high tech, cool bionic legs that you know, you see on TV. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Why am no, I getting I... these ones? <laughs> true, true. But you know what's so important about that? And I love that you shared that story that hope, hope is so important, right? And hope, especially early on, can absolutely shift your perspective and mindset. Like all of a sudden, I love how your prosthetist said, oh, you can do anything. You just need the feet to do it. That's cool. <laughs> I didn't really have that early on. I think I kind of figured that out on my own because I would ask, can I snowboard again? All I want to do is snowboard again. And they would say, well, we don't know because we haven't seen a double leg amputee snowboard before. And so we don't know. And they'd actually say, why don't you try monoskiing? Just take your, you know, not use your legs and monoskiing. I thought, first of all, I'm not a skier. (laughs) Oh, I had exactly the same. Yeah. And then I thought, I want to use my legs. Like I actually want to use them, you know? And so I kind of had a little bit of a different experience right off the bat. But I will say when I was in the hospital, 
somebody brought in an article of Amy Mullins, who is another, she's like the legendary double leg amputee athlete and model. And someone brought this article in and there was a picture of her running and something clicked in my head. And I thought, okay, if she can run, then, then I can snowboard. Right. And I'm so grateful I had that in the hospital, like you had your experience with your prosthetist in the hospital where you go, okay, I can do this. <laughs> and you know what? I actually had that experience already beforehand, before I was in the hospital, because wow. uh, I met Thane Mahler oh, uh, uh-huh. right after I injured my, my uh, because it, at first I thought it was only a, a sprained ankle. And then I went to the X Games. I was invited for the X Games. And then I met him and I saw him snowboarding during the day. And then in the end, I was hanging out with the Burton team. So in the end, one evening, he came and sat next to me on the couch. And he pulled up his leg, clicked it off and put his leg right next to the couch. And I was like, oh my gosh, what's happening here? And there we are with X Games athletes sitting on the couch and him. And I was just, I was mind blown. I was like, who's he? And what's his story? It's so crazy because Thane Mahler is also the first amputee I saw snowboarding with a prosthetic leg. And it's amazing how one person can have so much impact. He was out there just snowboarding, doing his thing. And I remember after I lost my legs, I was on a mission to try to figure out how to snowboard again. And my brother-in-law turned on the TV, which at the time there was a network called Blue Torch, and it was almost like an action sport ESPN. So my brother-in-law turned it on and saw this guy snowboarding and got to the bottom of this run and he pulled up his pant leg and he had a prosthetic leg. And so right away he called me and said, you got to get a hold of this guy, Thane Mahler. And I literally, I, I Googled Blue Torch TV and there was a phone number and yeah. I called and I was like, you guys just aired this guy, Thane Mahler on the show and he's got a prosthetic leg. And right away the guy goes, oh, Thane's my best friend. Here's his phone number. No way. So, no way. <laughs> so within oh. like, you know, 15 minutes of the show airing, I was on the phone with Thane and I was like, oh. I know this is so weird, but I just lost my legs and I want to learn how to snowboard. And I just need to know, I was like, all I need to know is what kind of feet you use. (laughs) He helped me, you know, at the very beginning there, just kind of like, well, this is what you need and you can totally do it. And you just need the right feet. In fact, he ended up setting me up with his leg sponsor, which was Ohio Willowood at the time. And I ended up getting feet so that I could snowboard. So That's so cool. You know, Vivian, it's so crazy. What happened about a year and a half ago, this never happens, but we happened to be in LA at the same time. It was a year after the last Paralympic Games and decided to have breakfast. And it was so beautiful. And Vivian was facing a surgery that she was going to do for her back, for her lower back because of a tumor. Let me back up really fast and just say that up until now, like chemo hasn't really been an option for you, right? Right, right. So chemo was never really an option. And what they basically did, every time I had a tumor started growing again, it started always in my lungs. So I had about five lung surgeries. And then going up to Pyeongchang, where the Paralympic Games, 
I decided I wanted to do another four years to defend my title. And then basically I had two more surgeries in in my lungs. And then I had a tumor in my helis, which is the central spot in in your body. It's uh, right above the lungs next to the heart. And there's a lot of blood vessels around it. So basically the doctors had a look at it and they said like, well, Vivian, as you know, uh, chemo doesn't work on your tumor. Having a surgery in that spot is too dangerous because if we just cut one of the blood vessels, all the blood just streams into your lungs and you'll drown in your own blood. Uh, So that's not an option either. And then we have um, radiation therapy. And then radiation therapy is too wide. Like you can't really target only the tumor. It is too wide and therefore will probably have to radiate you on your lungs and your heart and too many important stuff. So we don't dare to do that either. So they sent me home with the message like, well, go and tell your children that you're probably going to die within a couple of years and and there's nothing really we can do for you. I was just devastated. I mean, the year before, 2015, I just became um, world champion for the fifth time in a row again. (laughs) And, And I was feeling amazing. I was feeling really strong and, and, and like I could handle the world basically. And there was a doctor in front of me saying that I was going to die in a couple of years. So that felt just so strange. So yeah. I just had to sit back and relax and, and, and take in the news and, and basically tell our children, I didn't know what to do with this news because it felt so irreal. And like kind of impossible where it's like this tumor has to be in this one spot that you cannot operate. I mean, that's, that feels so surreal. And when I heard about it, you know, it's like, oh God, no. And you're so healthy and so strong. Right. And then there's something. Right. That's what I thought too. Like it can't be over yet. It can't be over yet. And then a couple of months later, apparently While I was asleep, Edwin was just searching the internet, trying to find a solution. He barely slept. And then throughout the night, he was just Googling and and searching the internet to find one way or the other solution. And then all of a sudden, he found something in LA, a new form of radiation therapy. It was a company called the Emeridian, or they made the Emeridian. And it was a radiation form where they were way more precisious And they said, like, well, we have never had work with your tumor before because it's such a rare tumor, but we are willing to have a look at it. The only thing was that only an intake consult was, uh, I think it was 45,000 US dollars. And here in in the Netherlands, it's a a way different system, I think. I mean, we just have healthcare system and we pay every month. We don't have such high expenses in, in, in medical care because we pay like our whole lives basically. And I didn't have 45,000 US dollars just on my bank, <laughs> sitting right? There. <laughs> right. Sitting there. So um, Edwin and I were looking at each other saying like, okay, how are we going to handle this? Maybe we'll have to take another mortgage or in our house and how are we going to do this? And then I think two weeks later, we were having breakfast and the TV was on. And there was this TV show, just the news, saying that now for the first time in Europe, a new way of treating cancer, a new machine called the Emeridian. 
Wow. In Amsterdam, right around the corner here, like 20 oh minutes away from my house. Wow. And we just looked at each other and said, like, this can't be happening. So right. we, we started pinching each other. And so like, is this real? And then that same afternoon, we were in the hospital, in the view in Amsterdam, where that machine was at, asking if, if I could be treated on that machine. And they also said exactly the same as in L.A., they knew about my tumor. They hadn't worked with it yet. They had no clue what it was going to do, but they were willing to try. So there I was and saying, well, let's go for it. So they said, um, well, that's going to take about 24 to 25 times of radiation therapy. And hopefully after that, you'll be, you'll be fine. And that's basically what happened. So it was really weird, actually, because over the summer... I didn't really get a summer holiday, but I had a, a radiation treatment during the summer. And then right. um, straight after, like I had 24 treatments. And then a week after we split again for SASFE, I think for, for training. And four months later, we're the world championships again to qualify yourself for Pyeongchang. So it was just a roller coaster. It's so crazy. Yeah, this all happened in, in the summer of 2016. So in, in 2017, I turned world champion again and then qualified myself for the, for the games. And then I felt right. like, okay, now I'm done with cancer. I'm going to be fine. And let's go for the games. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then... <laughs> Tough luck. <laughs> no, it was crazy because um, before I started on the winter training season again I decided like well we had this really horrible summer with me in the hospital all the time and and coping with the radiation treatment and we didn't really have a summer so now we're going to take a really nice vacation and uh, we're going to take it easy for a little while before we start our pre-olympic year and um, we planned on that so I went on this holiday a beautiful trip we went to Necker Island, the island of Richard Branson. Did you ever go there? No, but I've heard of it. Oh, it's beautiful. It, and I learned how to kite surf there. So it was just uh -huh. epic spot where you learn how to kite surf. And it was just perfect. A small amount of people on the island and it was really, really nice. And then after two weeks, we got back home. And then I was like, okay, now winter can start again. And now I can start training again. So slowly I started picking up my training schedule here in the Netherlands and doing my, my biking rides and, and uh, training in the gym and everything. And then I had this medical check, just this random medical check. And then again, it turned out that there was some tumor, but now not in my lungs or my healers. Now it was in my upper spine. So my C3 and C4. And um, yeah, obviously it had to go. So they said, well, your neck is going to be too fragile if you leave it there. So we need to treat it. But since I had such a good feeling and such a good result of the radiation treatment we had before on the HILAS, I said, well, come on with it. I'll do the, the radiation treatment again. And that was actually what they provided. I was like, well, I can handle that. And hopefully it won't get me sick or I won't be, get tired or, or anything about it. We started radiation treatment and that went actually fine, but it, it took way more energy off me than it did the other time. Right. And I remember you could not move. It was such a precise, like if that 
radiation laser, whatever they use, shifted even like a millimeter, it could hit a nerve or something, right? So I remember, I think Edwin sent us photos like, well, this is Vivian right now. And it's like, you know, you're completely strapped down to the bed. So, I mean, just that in itself had to have been scary, incredibly challenging going through each one of those treatments. Yeah, I had to talk to myself like, okay, nothing's going to happen because the thing is that they strap you to a bench and then they're going to perform the procedure, but you can't get off the bench if if nobody is coming to help you. Like you can't get loose by yourself. So scary because you have this mask all over and and yeah, it's it's just really weird. And you just, or at least I had to tell myself all the time, like, okay, it's going to be fine just another 20 minutes and then you're you're back on your feet again and, and no worries and just lie and relax. And yeah, and that was basically it. But this one time I remember I panicked a little bit and then I thought like, oh, no, I don't want to hyperventilate. I just want to be here, close your eyes, happy thoughts, happy thoughts, and then you'll be fine again. You go through radiation for your neck. Did that make your neck unstable? Is that why you then went through the surgery? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think two or three months after I had to just recover and get my energy back because the first time I had radiation therapy on my healers, I still had the same energy left as beforehand. And now it it basically sucked all the energy up out of me. I really had to take a step back and and just gain my energy back and, and get back on my feet again. Is this the fall leading into the Paralympics? Yeah. So just to put it into perspective, while the rest of the world and those of us are probably at our strongest, healthiest peak as we're going into the Paralympic Games, because especially in the fall, I mean, that's when we're really, really ramping up. So that's when we find out that Vivian is going through radiation again for your neck. And then what happens after that? Well, in December, right before Christmas, they found out that Actually, at the point where I thought I'd be starting my training schedule again, and on my last scan, to basically get a go-ahead signal from my doctor, they saw on the scan that my neck was basically collapsing, uh, like the vertebrae was practically collapsing due to the fact that it had radiation therapy. It got so weakened, and therefore it was collapsing. So they said, like, well, stop whatever you're doing right now, because if you take another step, basically, for example, it can shift and, and it can slide and it will crack and then you'll be paralyzed from the neck down. Wow. And that's what obviously I didn't want happening. Right. So um, then they said like, okay, we're going to perform another surgery and then we're going to give you another vertebrae out of titanium. So two nights before Christmas, I had uh, surgery. And then they did one part of the vertebrae. And then on the 3rd of January in 2018, uh, they did the second part of the, of the surgery and they did the front of, of the vertebrae. So, and that was, um, let's see, eight weeks before the games. Uh, my, it, I'm like, <laughs> my reaction hearing this right now is, I think my reaction at that time too, which is like, of course. Well, first of all, of course, Vivian's going to come back because that's what she does. You come back from the craziest, just surgery, heavy stuff that would normally, 
if not physically knock somebody down, mentally knock somebody down. You know, I, I think a lot of people would go through this major spine. They, they didn't just fix your vertebrae. They took your vertebrae away and replaced it with metal. Yeah, they basically left only, I think, well, I saw the construction. But- I've seen it and it is crazy. I remember showing it to my parents. I'm like, this is what Vivian's having done. This is major. I mean, it's not just like a fusion. It's a totally take away her vertebrae and replace it with other vertebrae. That's basically what they did. But because of that, I'm still here. So I'm Exactly. Happy. And okay, eight weeks later, we go to the Paralympic Games This is eight weeks after this major surgery. We go to the Paralympic Games and Vivian brings home two gold medals in both of our snowboard events. You know, you're such a fighter and you're such a pro in so many ways where you're like, okay, I've been knocked down, but we all know you're going to come back strong. And and you always have. You always do. That just right there proved how badass you are mentally, physically, just to be able to come back from everything that you've done and not just, once again, not just like survive it and get through it and compete in the games, actually come back and show that you're still the queen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know what? To me, it was like maybe just proving myself that I could still do it. And yeah. because this is what I love doing. Like this is the best thing ever to do. And that's snowboarding. And so, so we both went through setbacks at the same time, and it wasn't this particular one. It mm-hmm. was a year and a half ago, Vivian had surgery on her lower back yeah. um, to take care of some tumors there. Um, that, that same week is when all of a sudden I got this massive blood clot in my leg, yeah. and I was you know fighting to save my leg. And so you've gone on to do all these amazing things, win Paralympic Games back-to-back and multiple medals and travel the world and speak and you know do everything that you've done. And we're both kind of on the same life plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. Then I get in the hospital with this crazy blood clot, like, oh my gosh, trying to save my leg. Same week, pretty much. Vivian has the surgery in her lower back and something kind of went wrong with that surgery. How would you explain that? Well, the doctors tell me that in their opinion, nothing went wrong, but um, I woke up with no feeling in my my lower part of my body, basically. Both of my legs couldn't move them. And up until now, I'm still paralyzed from the waist down. It's partially paralyzed. So I had some feeling and strength back. And Right. right now I can walk with the stroller for about 80 meters, but that's it. Most of the time, I'm in a wheelchair because it's just easiest way. But I'm still training. Exactly. I know, you know, so this happens kind of to us where we have this major, major life-changing, I guess, setback at the same time. So it's another reason to be also inspired by you because I also feel like this sounds so bad, but it sucks when you're the only one going through something major. So I'm like, nope. You know, Bibian's trying to walk again too. Like we both are fighting to walk again right now, which is absolutely once again another crazy parallel. And, and you've inspired me when I was on the couch, like, like laying in bed, couldn't do anything, and I saw you back trying to crawl back on your feet again, and your first steps with your crutches. 
Crunchy, and I was right. like, I want to yeah. do that too. Oh, I love, I love that. And that's how I see when I see you walking, I'm like, she's taking her step. I got to get there too. Like <laughs> she can do this. I can do this. Um, so, so here's my question about this though. You are so positive. You are by far the most positive person I know. Does that come naturally to you or do you have to work on it? And, and do you have bad days? Because I, you know, people think that I'm really positive, but I'll tell you, I've had some really, really bad days over the last year, bad days that I've never had in my life. And so do you have bad days? And also how do you, how do you get through them and how do you stay positive? Yeah, of course I have bad days because if I wouldn't have bad days, I wouldn't be a human being, I think. But um, I try to keep them to a minimum and I allow myself to cry over it for a couple of hours and then it's and right. done with it. Literally just throw it overboard. Yeah, I'd say we're probably similar in that way too, where it's like, you know, I think one thing that people don't allow themselves to do is to actually feel it, right? Yeah. Like. Yeah. We try to avoid those bad days. We feel negative or upset or grief or fear or sadness, and we try to avoid it. And then it just, it suppresses it, but it's always right under the surface, right? It's always going to peak out. So you've allowed yourself to feel it, you know, Absolutely. feel it, get through it, and then be able to like, okay, time to pick yourself up and continue on. Exactly. Exactly. Do you do it the same way? I, so the other day I had a bad day. I woke up just feeling bad. I woke up feeling overwhelmed in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I've had just moments where I wake up like the other day feeling, um, just a little confused. Cause I'm like, gosh, I'm used to being an athlete and training and knowing I've got another games to go to. I'm used to actually knowing, I think with the Paralympic games, we know our path for the next four years. Yeah. We know what the next four years look like, or at least what our goals and path is. And right now, the fact that I've got this injury, I'm like, gosh, am I ever going to walk again? Am I ever going to snowboard again? Like, what does the future look like? And then, you know, you do have COVID on top of it, plus all the motivational speaking that we do that, yeah. you know, is very, very, I guess, you know, high paid and, you know, we travel the world and we speak and we know what we're going to make. And, and now that's gone because there's no live events. So there's virtual events, but that looks completely different. So of course, just not only the, the experience of what's going on in the world, but also personally, what, what was going on with me, I feel like I have so much I need to fix. I'm like, but I got to get walking. Like before anything else, like I got to figure my leg out. I got to get walking. And I think I just, there's moments where I just kind of get crushed under it, where I feel overwhelmed. Like, oh my gosh, there's so much I need to do to fix myself. Like I'm crawling out of a hole (laughs) is how I feel. And I kind of woke up with that feeling the other day, but then I instantly, I'm proud of myself for this. And I realized this is how I function. And this is how I've gotten through every challenge is I let myself feel that you know, I even wrote it out, all my fears, everything negative that I was feeling at that moment. But then I instantly was like, okay, now let's look at the things that I have to be grateful for. And yeah. that's when I did think of, well, yeah, there is this global pandemic. We don't know what the world looks like, but I'll tell you, it kind of happened at the right time because it's giving me time to also move forward without feeling like I'm missing out <laughs> on yeah. everything. 
I also started thinking about Daniel and I'm like, my gosh, how lucky am I to have such an incredible best friend and partner in my life who loves me no matter what. I mean, really has seen me on my worst darkest days and who's there. And, and then even my dog and my family and we look outside and it's beautiful. So I just start thinking of the things that make me grateful and instantly I actually feel like, oh no, everything's going great, actually. <laughs> totally lighted in, yes. Oh yeah. no, I totally hear you, yeah. So that's how I do it. So I want to know, because you've done so much, you went from, and I'm just recapping this a little mm-hmm. bit, but you went from having cancer, first of all, being a professional athlete, having cancer, losing your leg, going on to be a professional Paralympic athlete, back to back, you know, world cup medals, world championship, you know, like queen of the world, um, (laughs) Paralympic back to back gold medalist, you know, in between all of this, you're dealing with cancer, you're chipping away literally like with these surgeries, you know, tumors that pop up here and there, but you continue to go on and become a gold medalist. Um, then, have this surgery to get rid of the tumor in your lower back, that surgery partially paralyzes you. But then wait, a few months after that, you're on Dancing with the Stars. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing is that I saw you dancing and Dancing with the Stars and I loved every single moment of that. I think Edwin sent you this video once that I was watching you dancing. Um, crying my my eyes out because it's so beautiful and I was like oh she's so beautiful oh look at her look at her look at her I Vivian I remember that video and yes Edwin I think it was my first dance because we just competed at the Paralympics and in Sochi 72 hours later I was dancing on Dancing with the Stars And, and then I got that video from you of you watching and crying and then I watched you on Dancing with the Stars, you know, and I'm watching you and crying. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. That's so funny. I remember like every, every other week, was it? With your uh, competition? I was like putting my alarm to it. Like Amy's dancing again. So I'd Uh I'd gone on YouTube and tried to find wherever I could to find your, your video of dancing. And I loved every single moment of that. And then... I always told Edwin that if I would be asked for the TV show, Dancing with the Stars, no matter what, I wanted to do that. So when they asked me straight out of after Pyeongchang, they only asked the question and Edwin told me like, you know what? Your dream just come true. And I'm like, what? They just asked you to compete in Dancing with the Stars. And I was like, oh, are you kidding me? I was like, crying. <laughs> I was yelling. I was like, Aah! like this. And then they came over for, for this intake, of course. So they started telling me about Dancing with the Stars. And then they showed me the videos. And then they said, like, yeah, yeah, because there were some Paralympic athletes competing. And I'm like, of course I know. And there were you <laughs> passing, ta- passing by. And I saw some uh, other. Because after your experience in Dancing with the Stars, suddenly Italy and, and a bunch of European countries started using Paralympic athletes as well. Then when I saw you, I was like, oh, that's my friend, Amy. And then they were like, oh, really? Do you know her? And we started talking. And yeah, 
And you, were you the first person in a wheelchair to compete on Dance with the Stars? As far as I heard, yes. yes. Right. And I think now this season in Sweden or Norway, there's another girl in a wheelchair. wheelchair. Yes, yeah. I, I saw that as well. Yeah. Um, so thinking of your life and your career and all that you've gone on to do, what is one thing that has helped you get to the level of success that you've gotten to? One thing that has either pulled you through all the downtimes or just also helped you rise above and succeed? I think that would be never stop dreaming and never stop following your passion. Because although I knew that the odds were against me, still competing in the Olympics or Paralympics or or whatsoever, I never stopped dreaming. And I just wanted to take the best out of myself. And to be honest, like in, in, well, at the end of 2017, when I knew that I had to undergo surgery again for my neck to stabilize my neck, because otherwise they were afraid I'd, I'd snap my neck like on this level, um, then I, I didn't give up on competing in the, in the Paralympic Games. But I was like, well, the chance of me competing in the Winter Games is really, really small right now. And then Edwin said, like, honey, you don't have to decide right now. Wait until the moment is there because you're already qualified. You're already part of the Paralympic team. Wait until you're there. And if you're in the start gate, not feeling secure enough whatsoever, and you don't yeah. want to do it, just pull out and say, like, this is my last point. Right. And I was like, yeah, you're right. So I just took it as it came. And I had the best team ever at that moment. And I had Matty, of course, as, as my fellow companion and my best friend in the best team ever. And we had, well, fun was the biggest factor in our team. Just laughing and, and having fun with each other. Working hard, but then having fun during while doing that. And so even right now, because right now you are actively fighting cancer. You mm-hmm. are in a wheelchair, but walking baby mm-hmm. steps. Um, yeah. What's your goals now and what motivates you now to keep moving forward? Well, my goal right now is obviously to start walking again. And I truly believe that it's still in there. I feel that it's like my legs are getting stronger again. It takes a long, long, long time, but I I do believe that I might be walking again at some point if time is given me to take it that far. But well, my, my goal is like just trying to achieve as much as can be possible, basically, and see if I can go get there again. But to be honest, um, I'm not 100% sure if I can make that. And right now, it's basically to see Julian, who is turning 18 in February, well, to see him become the man that he, he already is, also be a mom for one or not for once, but uh, <laughs> for <laughs> right, supporting his dreams and goals versus traveling, which you did so much of before. Right, right, exactly. Which is amazing because it's kind of like 
I think when bad, not bad, but challenging moments happen and challenging circumstances happen, and we maybe feel like we're losing a part of ourselves, like competing in the Paralympics, but you've really kind of shifted to like, okay, um, now I get to support my son more and watch him and support him and his dream and goals. And it's just being kind of flexible to, to change and kind of and shift letting yeah. certain things, not just letting certain things go. I mean, you've, you've accomplished already, you've accomplished everything you can accomplish in snowboarding <laughs> <laughs> and being comfortable with that ending and yeah. being able to shift your energy into just quality of life. Right. Right. So for somebody else who might be facing their biggest adversity, whether it's losing a leg or, you know, it could be anything or battling cancer, battling incurable cancer, what could they do that could help them get through their darkest days? I would say, although it might look impossible, never stop dreaming and keep on chasing the things you love doing. That's what I would say. Because everybody has adversities in their lives and one's a bit worse than the other. But if you stop dreaming and if you stop believing in your dreams, then what the heck are you doing? Right. And you don't ever lose. You don't ever lose anything until you totally give up. We might feel lost. We might feel moments of that, but like, as long as you just keep moving forward, at least that's what I hear you saying and what I've experienced too. Although it might yeah. be baby steps compared to us. I mean, we're, we're used to taking giant steps most of the time, like in the yeah. Paralympic team and everything and, and being a Paralympic champion. But now I'm already happy if I walk for 80 meters. Right. I'm really satisfied if I do that. And I think it goes back to, once again, being just really grateful for what you have wherever you're at in the journey. So we know what it's like to stand on podiums and, you know, win medals and be recognized for the work that we've done and then and be at the peak of physical performance. And then we also know what it's like to just be taking baby steps and walking again and feeling like that is yeah. a huge win. Every step is a huge win. So, Bibian, I want to ask, what is one thing you know for sure? This is what you could leave behind if you were to, you know, step out of this world tomorrow. Like, this is what you know for sure. What I know for sure is that, obviously, I have a wonderful family to support me. And I think I raised, because I have Julie and my son, and I have two beautiful stepdaughters, I raised them hopefully to be beautiful people with a sense of they know who they are and and where they want to go in life, I think. Right. You've been able to live your life so beautifully and so kindly helping other people as well and through your organization. So I think what I hear you saying is looking at how you've also been able to raise your kids to be able to live their life that way as well. No, absolutely. And like you said, that's what I love doing about our work with you with Adaptive Action Sports and now with the, with the Mentality Foundation, helping others to, to find their way in life with facing a disability and then overcome this disability and, and see that they're 
just like any other of us. And maybe they, they might miss a, a part of their leg or a part of their arm or whatsoever, but they're still beautiful human beings. And so if somebody who's listening to this is in Europe and interested in learning to snowboard, you guys do other sports as well with the Mentality Foundation. And if someone has a disability and is interested in doing these sports, where can they find more information about the Mentality Foundation? Well, that's, it's really easy. We have a website called mentalityfoundation.org. And then mentality is spelled like my last name. So it's instead of a, with an A, with an E. So it's M-E-N-T-E-L-I-T-Y dot org. You guys do such incredible work. Uh, you're amazing. And, you know, preparing athletes, whether they want to just learn recreationally how to snowboard again and be inspired to do that again, or if they want a path to the Paralympic Games. That's what you guys offer as well, right? Absolutely. Well, like like you guys, I mean... I know, I'm like acting like I don't know what it is, but really <laughs> it's more <laughs> because I know there are a lot of people listening who won't know what it is, but it is, it's like, yeah, if you're in the US and you want to learn to snowboard or take it all the way to the Paralympics, you can check out Adaptive Action Sports. But if you're in Europe, you can check out the, the Mentality Foundation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so Vivian, um, before I say goodbye, is there anything else that you'd like to share about your life or about the idea of bouncing forward through our challenges? Is there anything else that you'd like to say? Well, you know what? Life's too short to not enjoy it. So I would say like, just go out there and, and do whatever you love. And although it might look like you can't make your living out of it or whatsoever. I'm sure if you do something you love, you'll automatically become the best version of yourself. And therefore you'll find a way to make money in that same situation and, and do both like what you love and making money out of it. And if you stick to that, you'll be fine. I love that. Well, Vivian, thank you so much. You have been my dream guest on this podcast. When I thought about doing this, you were the first person I thought about who I wanted to interview. And I just wanted to be able to share your love of life and your journey and your story with all of my listeners and followers. And to me, you represent the way you have lived your life is how we all should be living our lives. Well, you're exactly the same, my dear. You inspire me every time. And every time I see you on, if it was like Dancing with the Stars or, or during your rehab, I've been always watching you, supporting you, rooting for you. And, and I just love you. I love you too, Vivian. I just want to say thank you. I'm so grateful that you're here with me today. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for being my friend. That's that- the best part is that we're friends. And that makes me so grateful. So about a week before this episode aired, Vivian went on national television in Europe and she shared her diagnosis that the cancer that she's been battling for 21 years has spread to her brain and that she's only been given weeks left to live and that she's spending her her last days with her family and her friends and her kids sharing her love of life and looking back on this incredible life that she has lived. And in true Vivian fashion, she wanted to inspire people and leave them with something so that they could live a good life as well. And so she gave six tips 
of how to live a good life. And this is what she said. Number one, collect memories and not belongings. Number two, keep following your passion and don't let anybody else tell you what you can or you cannot do. Number three, be happy for who you are and how you are. Number four, life is all about love. Number five, be kind to each other. And number six, it's all about the love of life and a life of love. And Vivian's biggest goal right now is to continue to raise awareness and funds for her amazing foundation, the Mentality Foundation, which helps athletes with disabilities live their best life. You can find it at mentalityfoundation.org. That's M-E-N-T-E-L-I-T-Y foundation.org. Thank you, Vivian, for living your life so fully and loving so deeply and teaching all of us how to do the same. We love you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Bouncing Forward. My mission is to show that no matter what our circumstances, if you want something bad enough and if you feel it in your heart and your soul, that the possibilities of what we can achieve are endless. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to never miss an episode and please leave a review to help me help more people bounce forward. I want to leave you with this one question. If your life was a book and you were the author, how would you want your story to go? From this podcast, I hope you walk away seeing that although we can't control the things that happen to us, we can always control the way we react to them. We determine where our story goes from here. It's not about bouncing back to who we once were. It's about bouncing forward and becoming all that we could be.